We're in a series in called, called Change. Change. Uh, if you threw change in, John Maxwell says, you're through. <laughs> so we need to learn how to change. It's difficult to change, but it is essential that we do. The Bible talks about it a lot. My daddy used to say, it's replete with the notion. A lot of big words. But it basically means it's there over and over and over again that we're supposed to become more and more like Christ. You get changed in your heart, but your life is changed on a journey. It's a process. And this series is dedicated towards uh, learning how to overcome the problems that keep us from change. That's what we talked about really in the first couple of weeks. And we, I started the series off, and Pastor Emmy killed it, and, and Pastor Chris was here for that, and Pastor Randy rocked it last week. And we've been talking about the problem. Then we started getting into the process of change. In the end, we're going to talk about the power to change. But right now, we're in this process of change. How do we really begin to move forward uh, in, in the changing process? And so today's message is kind of a play on words. It's called a change of correction, a change of correction. Next week, we'll talk about a change of direction. Uh, we'll talk about that. How do we even begin this once, I'm, once I've received it, once I've removed the problems, once I'm ready for and embracing this process, what's the next step for me? We'll talk about that next week. But today, we're talking about the change of correction. Is everybody with me? Say amen. <laughs> so I'll start with just a little, you know, question. Has anybody ever been threatened to get their mouth washed out with soap before? Anybody? All the guys, raise your hand. I know y'all in this house right here. Okay, so my mama used to threaten me that she was going to wash my mouth out with soap because if I keep saying those words, if I keep saying, using that foul language, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. Now that wasn't a threat. That actually happened in my life. I can still taste dial soap right now. It just, it's just like that. I don't use dial soap to this day because I know what it tastes like. And she used to wash my mouth out with soap because I would say words like stupid. You're so, Janelle, you're so stupid. That's my sister. I would say that about my sister. That's not a nice thing to say. She, you do that one more time, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. Stupid. That's it. You know. It's awful. It was awful. But do you know this, that the Bible actually uses that word? And I couldn't wait. <laughs> the Bible says, to learn, you must love discipline. Whoa, that's going to be a big, big part of the talk today. It is, what's that word? Stupid. Come on, God, you said it. It is stupid to hate correction. This is a really strong contrasting verse. One hand says you got to love discipline and you're stupid if you hate correction. And so we're going to talk about the change of correction. Part of this change process is being able to embrace correction. Wow. My wife is a teacher, okay? She was, she's in the house, so I'm going to try my best to do a good job here. My wife is a teacher professionally, but actually she was born a teacher. She was born to correct, okay? She was born to correct. She corrects kids constantly. She's, she's in school. We have a bunch of kids. And I seem to fall into that category a lot where I am being corrected to the point where I feel like one of those kids. Uh, did I mention my wife corrects constantly? Uh, and so... What I don't sometimes realize is the heart of correction or the why in correction. If I don't understand the heart of correction or the why in correction, I will explode from the correction. Does anybody know what I'm talking about out there? 
So when she begins to correct me on how we put the silverware in the dishwasher, when she begins to uh, correct me with where the trash is supposed to go or how it's supposed to go, when she corrects me about the grammar that I'm using in, 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 in things that I'm posting, when she corrects me about how I park the car, when she corrects me about all of my idiosyncrasies and human frailties and my response to authority. Do you guys get the point? <sighs> the, the, the thing is, correction is a part of life. And if I don't see it right, you know, I'm probably, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to have problems. But here's my transition, baby, so you don't get mad at me. You're going to love this transition. Truth be told, my wife and God are a lot alike. Amen. <laughs> Honey, humility, humility. You need to be quiet over there. I'm, I'm, let me do the job here. Okay. All right. Here's the big idea. Write this down. Write this down. Here's the big idea. All right. Just like my wife does with my family, God helps us change through what? Come on, say it, correction. God helps us change through correction. So how do we get to the point in our, in our life, in our development, in our spiritual journey where we begin actually to receive it, to embrace it, to willingly <laughs> receive it, okay? The same, the same way, uh, the correction that I just kind of complained about indirectly, if I didn't receive that correction from my wife, if I, if I didn't do that, honestly, I'd have a lot of problems. I'd have a lot of extra bills. I'd have a lot more pain. I might even be in prison. I might have gone to jail if I didn't listen. My, sometimes my wife will correct me about how I respond to authority. It's, it's interesting that is I want authority, but sometimes I have issues with authority. So I've, I've been pulled over a couple times for a discussion. I can't remember the last time I had a ticket, but I have had a couple conversations with the authorities. And every time it happens, it just seems the teacher's in the car. Over there. And she'll say to me, be nice. Behave. Don't say anything stupid. I don't know what it is about me. This, it's a cop. It's a police officer. It's authority. I know what Romans 13 says, but something about me is like, oh, I can't believe he even had the audacity to pull me over. Doesn't he know I'm a very important person? I'm not saying. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway. And then the window will roll down. She's like, be good, be good, be good. You know, hello, officer. You know. But if it wasn't for her giving those subtle adjustments and kind of with the rod of correction, come over here and get over there, I'd probably be like this. <laughs> yes, sir, I get it. I'll be quiet next time and I will shut my mouth. <laughs> I think correction could save you from a lot of problems. But sometimes we have a hard time uh, receiving it. And I submit to you, here's why. Write this down if you're taking notes. It's number one is the point is this we have to see correction as love See there's two sides to the coin on this correction thing I can remember when my parents and I'm going to use a lot of family analogies and parental analogies But let me just under, let me let me help you understand something. This is all play. Okay. I'm not just talking to kids I'm talking to adults in here. Okay. I'm talking to adult bodies who behave like kids. Okay <laughs> This is all of us everybody with me right now, but sometimes when, when, when we see parents discipline, I remember my parents would discipline me, and they would say to me, go to your room. You're, you're going you're, you're to get punished, and, and, and I don't know what your upbringing was, but back in the day, you know, I got, 
I got spanked, okay? Corporate punishment. Uh, my parents, thankfully, they, I say they did it right. Like, it hurt really bad. But they did it on my blessed assurance, okay? They did it on, they applied the board of education to the seat of learning. Is everybody getting one of that? That's kind of the technical explanation of that, okay? So I got the board of education on the seat of learning. And so when I would go to my room, my dad would come in and he'd sit down and get on his knees kind of at my level and he'd say, I just want you to know something, son. This is going to hurt me way more than it hurts you. And I didn't say anything, but everything inside me said, there is no way in H-E double hockey sticks that this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. But on the other side of this life experience. I've had kids now, and I have kids who have kids, and uh, whew, that's a, just another story. But, I, but I've disciplined my kids, and I actually, when done right, I don't have time to qualify that, but when done right, I've actually felt that way. I've actually felt like this hurts me to discipline you, Devin. <laughs> again and again and again, every time. You know, and, and here's the thing. Have you ever had to correct your kids? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. And, and, but it's part of growing up, right? It's part of the training process, right? And here's the thing. We're all God's children. See, God, we're all, we're all his creation. We're all his creation, but we have to choose to be his child. Once you choose to be his child, come into the family of God by receiving what Jesus did for you. Now you also have to choose to be corrected by him as a father and as a parent. And receive the correction in the, in the ways that he distributes correction to you, which oftentimes is through authority and delegated authority. And so we're all God's children. But many of us won't receive that correction. As a result, we stay babies crawling around on the floor the rest of our life. None of us are up and running the race that God has marked out for us because we can't receive correction. Because we don't understand it right. We haven't grasped what, what correction really is. Correction is love. Correction and chastisement is kind of the equivalent word that the Bible uses in the book of Hebrews. Look in your notes. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. It says, my child, he's talking to us. Those of us who called upon the name of the Lord, his children. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. If you were in a family and your dad or your mom corrected you, you don't go, that's it. I'm out of this family. I'm getting another dad. I'm trading up. I'm turning this one. You can't do that. So you can't, well, I'm just going to give up. No, no, no. For the Lord disciplines those he what? You, sometimes I think we need to hear that again. The Lord disciplines those he loves. Discipline and love are directly connected. If you don't have, if you don't have discipline, you don't have love. That's what this is saying. Interesting. We know that in, in the familial, we know that in our biological families, but we don't, often don't experience that in our spiritual development or understand that in our spiritual development. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. And, and I'll get to this in just a second. Okay, so look at Here's what's going on. Go back. To, get out of there. Okay. So here's what's going on. Correction isn't fun. It's not popular. It's, it's super inconvenient. Frankly, it's work. It's a lot of work. 
uh, correction sometimes is uh, it's like it's exhausting. I used to listen to my sister. I, I would my, I have one sister, and and we always got in trouble together. I don't know what it is. We always got in trouble together. She I call her stupid. She'd do something that was stupid, and then we get in trouble. And so, but her room down the hall uh, was closer to the kitchen where my dad would get the board of education for the seat of learning. He would pick that up on the way, and then he would go to her room first. When he go to her her room first, uh, she I couldn't tell when she actually got punished because she would scream. And and she would run and she would and she'd jump the bed and she'd say, wait, 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 yo, 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 wait, 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 wait. And it was just a lot of negotiations. Dad, no, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. I'm so so and I'm down the hall like, ah, this is awful. This is so painful. I didn't even got I haven't even got the Board of Education yet, but I was being educated. It was so bad. It was so bad. And, and I, I just can remember how exhausting that now as a parent looking back, I mean, that had to be so tiresome. If you've ever had to, uh, you know, uh, ground your kid. I don't know where that word came from, but anyway, you kind of hold them, you know. We just kind of ground them, you know. And what do you put a stake in the ground and tie a rope to their ankle? I mean, what is that? Where did that come from? But if you've ever had to ground your kid, it's exhausting because you have to manage them the whole weekend. Like, who's being punished? Really? This is awful. I want to go out. I'm an adult. But I have to stay behind because of this punk kid. Sorry, just working some stuff out. But we, we do that. We, we temporarily wound them, as it were, to save them from a fatal wound. That's what's really going on. Like, I don't enjoy wounding. Nobody enjoys that. God doesn't either. But, he, but he'll tell the, he'll, it's like telling a child who's on a bike getting ready to go out into the main street. A parent would dive, even hurt a child to save them from being hit by a car. Temporarily wound them to keep them from a fatal wound. And when the child gets up off the ground, he'll say, put the bike in the basement, get in the house, you're done riding your bike. Why? Because the, the temporary was so much more important than the eternal. We want to make sure that we'll, we'll, pun, we'll punish you, we'll wound you temporarily to keep you from a major mistake. Is everybody tracking with me? This doesn't just apply to our kids. This applies to us as kids. And so in Romans, uh, excuse me, in Hebrews 12, it continues. As you endure this divine discipline, <laughs> remember that God is treating you as his own children. So he disciplines those he loves. He sees you as his child. Check this out. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are what? Illegitimate. You weren't even wanted. See, what ends up happening is though it's temporary when you discipline somebody and the disciplined child doesn't like it because it hurts and it's painful, over time, if you had let that child do whatever they want, no, I love you, so I just let you do whatever you want, eventually that child would be convinced they're illegitimate. Did you, did you get what I said? If you give in to someone over and over and over again, the child, anyone, would begin to uh, come to the revelation, realization that I'm not even wanted. That's why they let me do whatever I want. But the opposite is true. If you correct and if you discipline in love to a child that you love, it's telling the child, you are wanted. You are wanted. You are wanted illegitimate and are not really his children at all since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us should we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits forever see this is so important that we see this right but here's what happens is a lot of times our response is condemnation 
And so if your response is condemnation, we don't receive the benefits of the correction. And so God is trying to sometimes deal with us and help us and redirect us. But because we respond with condemnation, here's what happens. We go around the mountain one more time to have to learn that lesson again. And some of us have been running around the mountain a long, long time. Some of us have stayed, as it were, infants. Infants. The Bible uses terms like that. It's encouraging us to move from infancy uh, to maturity. But here's the thing. Write this down if you're taking notes, okay? Uh, if you don't see it right, you will receive it wrong. If you don't see it right, if you don't see you're his child, if you don't see that he's doing this because he loves you, if you don't see that if he doesn't, it's as if you're illegitimate, you won't receive it. Now, it might smart for a little bit, sting for a little bit, but the ash of that, the aftermath of that correction, you will begin to conclude over time, if you see it right, that God loves you a lot. And a spiritually mature person is actually very grateful for correction. They're actually inviting that, welcoming that, because they know it's going to change their life and it's going to change their attitude. In fact, I was studying uh, uh, Jerry, um, Pastor Jerry, our executive pastor. He, he sent me this link to Henry Cloud, who's a well-known counselor. And he did, this, he did this training for leaders. And he basically unpacked some scripture, but he talked about a wise son, a foolish son, and an evil son. And he basically said this, and I won't do all three of them, but a wise son, when they receive correction, or we'll call it light, when you receive truth or light, a wise son receives the light and adjusts to the light. Uh, they're quick to repent. Uh, they're very, very receptive. They're grateful. They apply the truth and they make the changes. A foolish son makes the light adjust to them. And it's very defensive. They, they don't take ownership or responsibility. They deflect the truth. They provide a certain amount of lip service, but really they put it off on someone else. They don't change their behavior. See, we need to be wise children who don't, don't deflect it or adjust the light. We adjust to the light. Does that make sense, everybody? And truth be told, there's no reason to deflect or reject correction if you know who you are in Christ. See, when you realize you're a child, when you realize you're wanted and you're not illegitimate, when you realize that God loves you, then it changes you. You're able to not walk in condemnation. There was a time where my identity was not solidified in me in my spiritual walk with Christ. If you struggle with correction, it's an identity issue. First, you have to understand you have right standing before you can have right behavior. Right standing produces right behavior. It's not right behavior producing right standing. Is everybody tracking with me out there, yes or no? Okay, and so years ago, I would go to church service like this, and I would, I would hear the preacher preach, and he, he preached, you know, about something about the mind, and I think, oh my gosh, my mind is so jacked up, and then he preached something about the mouth, and how we need to, you know, the fruit of your lips, praise you. I'm like, my mouth is so dirty and messed up, and then he'd go on about the heart, and then he'd go on about selfishness, and then the week before, he's talking about anger, and all these, and I'd go home, I need to change in so many ways. This is the way we go to church, go to church, go to church. This is the way we go to church. And then I'd go to church and all that stuff would happen and I'd feel condemned. And then I'd, this is the way we go back home, we go back home, we go back home. So early in the morning. See, I think I have all these things I need to fix, but I don't need to fix them. Listen, 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 listen. You don't need to fix them. You just need to agree with God, and he will fix them. Oh, you missed a great place to shout amen. See, you don't have to change you. God will change you. You just have to agree with what God says about you. 
God will bring correction through his word. God will bring correction by his Holy Spirit. But sometimes you will turn the volume down on that so he'll use people. And sometimes the people don't come in the best packages. They're not all pretty. I got something nice that I want to tell you. <laughs> it's not the Pillsbury dough poke. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you something that's going to be so squishy and awesome, and you're going to love it. It's going to change your life. It doesn't come like that. It comes, bam, sometimes. It comes like, don't say something stupid, Derek, to the police officer. Right? But it's still, we need to embrace that. Can I have an amen out there? All right? Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It's not in your notes. It's a bonus text. Paul said this, Philippians 3, 12. He said, knowing that he hadn't arrived, he kept pressing on. I have not yet arrived, but I press on. See, you, if he was condemned, he couldn't press on. He'd be pressed down. He'd be depressed. Right? See, sometimes you don't move forward. You don't continue to progress and change because you are living in condemnation. You don't understand. Of course we haven't arrived. But here's the deal. It's a perspective. I am not where I want to be, but bless God, I'm not where I used to be. And I am grateful that God has been changing me little by little over time. But the way that I've changed is I've agreed with God and God's correction and the vehicles for which he used to bring that correction in my life. That's when I've changed the most in my life. And it may not happen overnight, but you need to start agreeing and receiving it. And over time, little by little by little, you will begin to change. Sometimes those changes are imperceptible. You don't see them, but when you look back over time, you come to the realization, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not that girl anymore. I'm not the same person. As a testimony, I am not like the man I once was. I've changed because, listen, because or to the extent or proportionate to my receptivity to God's correction and discipline. Is everybody with me out there? This is such a good message. I'm getting so blessed here. See, see, you need to receive correction. God wants everybody to, to receive correction. He, listen, he brought you here to connect to correct you. <laughs> How to win friends and influence people. This is it. No, it's not. Okay, that's what the world would say. But listen, I believe deep down every one of us want to grow. I really think that. I just think that the methods to which we've applied growth or trusted in growth, they're not working. And I think deep down in our spirit, we're frustrated. And so for those of us who are frustrated, God's trying to rewire something in your spirit right now. It may be directly connected to your, uh, to your receptivity, to correction that God wants to bring into your life. That's why it's so important. Some of you, some of you, haven't, uh, you haven't made a decision to become a part of a spiritual family. You've been sh hopping and shopping. You know, you're going to hop and shop until Jesus comes back, but you're going to be crawling like a baby to heaven instead of running. I want to I be somebody who says, I'm not where I want to be. You know, I haven't, I ha, I, I, I'm forgetting what is behind. I press on towards the mark. I'm going to run the race to which God has called me. I want to get someday to Paul's place where he said, I finished the race. I don't want to be crawling into heaven. I want to be running into heaven. Does anybody get excited besides me? I'm not even caffeinated. I'm just on Jesus juice this morning. Okay? But some of you just, you got to plug in. Some of you are not receiving correction because you've isolated and insulated yourself from life-giving relationships. You don't have anybody that can poke on you. You don't have anybody that, and I'm not talking about social media poke, whatever the heck that is. I'm talking about relational, relational correction and adjustments uh, administered with truth and grace in your life. And I, I'm, I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. And if that's what you came for, you shouldn't be here right now. 
I'm here to help you receive what Jesus died for so you could have it. You're called to be an heir of salvation, right? Join heirs with Jesus, the Bible says. But many people stay heirs, and they never inherit what God has for them. Many people are just an heir, but they don't inherit what God has for them because they won't receive the correction that God's bringing into their life. Hallelujah. This is a good, 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 good word. And some people maybe can't hear it right now. (laughs) That's okay. Here's what I want to say to you on the other side, though. Some of you, some of you are excited about this message. There's a minority in here. And because you love to correct. You're like, oh, man, I can't wait to go home and tell him or her that. And I'm going to go in there. I'm going to say, PD said, listen, don't go home and tell anybody PD says, okay? This is what PD says. You listen to the message for yourself first, okay? Uh, you, you see, sometimes before we talk to somebody else, we need to talk to ourselves about that message. Can I have an amen? If you love to correct, sometimes you're not getting the results with the, the, the ministry of correction that you might see stuff, but you're not ready to say stuff. And here's why. Write this down. See, never discipline what you haven't discipled. Never discipline what you haven't discipled. See, you, you want them to, you're expecting something from them that you haven't trained and explained into them. The Bible talks about train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You can't discipline a child that you haven't trained up in the way they should go. And God is trying to do that to you first so that you can help others as well. Is that track with anybody out there? Are you guys getting this? And so some of you get frustrated with them, and you should be focused on making sure that you're receiving correction. If you're receiving correction, people will be more apt to receive correction from you. The biggest part of discipline is correction, but making a disciple is even more important than that, making a champion. Amen. Number two, write this down. We have to see... Here's here's what we got to do with correction. We have to see the benefits of correction. Correction is beneficial. You got to see it right, knowing God loves you, but you all got to see there's benefits to correction. We have this value in our church uh, of growth. Healthy things grow, but we're not going to grow if we're not if we're not receptive to pruning in in the in the context uh, and in relationships with people. In the plant kingdom, we know that nothing grows up, nothing, uh, uh, you know, is, is, there's no new growth, there's no renewal from growth, there's no healthy things. If there's not pruning and snipping, we know that in the plant kingdom, but in the kingdom of God, in relationships, the equivalent to pruning is correction. Correction is beneficial. And yet, and yet we know this, and I talked about this a few weeks ago. There are people in our lives that can see problems coming. They see it coming. They see if you don't discipline your kid, here's what's going to happen. They see if you keep talking to your wife like that, this is what's going to happen. They can, everybody knows, they see it coming. But many of us don't give the green light to anyone who sees it. We, don't, we haven't given permission to a person to say, hey, if you see something in my life that you, you can, you, maybe somebody you respect that parents really well. Maybe somebody you respect that stewards finances really well. Maybe somebody you respect that seems to be growing and maturing and using their gifts for God. Is there anybody in your life that can see it coming that you've opened up to? I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're 70 years old. Do you have anybody? Listen, I'm, I'm a grown man. I don't need people to help me with my finances and help me buy a house or help me buy a car or help me make decisions with the ministry. Or help. I still do, though, because it's a principle. It works. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But in the counsel of many, there is safety. Can you guys get what I'm saying, everybody? And so sometimes what we want more than that is we want to feel good. 
And I'm all for encouragement. In fact, write this down. Encouragement makes us feel better, but correction actually makes us better. Are you so in love with encouragement that you can't receive correction? I believe we need a proportionate amount of encouragement which puts deposits in our spirit so that we can receive and be receptive to correction. But look at what the Word says in Proverbs 17. The Word says it like this in the Amplified. It says, a reprimand goes deeper into one who has understanding and a teachable spirit than a hundred lashes into a fool. That's a powerful proverb, is it not? That's why these are wise sayings. See, do you, do, you, do you have a teachable spirit? Ask yourself that right there in your seat. Do you have a teachable spirit? When's the last time you had a reprimand and you, you, you were receptive to it? See, sometimes my wife will cry. I'll just, I'm picking on my wife today, but she's, she's the one that's brought about the most change in my life is my wife next to the Holy Spirit. She is the Holy Spirit incarnate uh, in my family. Uh, and so, so, so the, those changes that were brought about, uh, I don't always, I smart sometimes to those. And I think she would testify to this, that, that I come around. I come around. And, and I've gotten better at responding in the moment and, and receiving it right and not snipping or being defensive and not being foolish, but being wiser about it. See, we grow we grow because we receive that correction. Here's how correction helps you if you're still paying attention. Look at this. Correction helps you see better. In the context of relationship, correction helps you see better because we all have blind spots. You will never be able to see the backside of your head. And if you can, you're a freak. Okay? But, but and I can't see the backside of mine. But I can see yours and you can see mine. See, God wanted to use people to help us with our blind spots. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm just going to use myself as, a, as an example, and this is just because of time and, and, and God's promotion. But I, I'm kind of, the, in my little pond, I'm the top of the food chain right now, okay? So senior pastor, lead pastor, whatever you want to call me, lead servant, I like to say, chairman of the board. And so uh, what was presented to me in a board meeting, my, my, one of my board members, maybe another one is here, I don't know, um, in, in, a, in a meeting was, hey, we were considering doing like 360 reviews of all the different staff. I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then one of them basically privately said, we thought we'd do one with you. <laughs> and I was like, and my first thought was, hmm, I don't know about that. And, and, and the first time in 26 years, well, not, 16 years is top of the food chain that I've had one. And you know what I thought? A wise son would receive that kind of kind of counsel. And so I had a 360 review, and they met with a bunch of my staff. And you know what? Overall, you know, I'm an awesome pastor. Um, <laughs> but there were a few things that I didn't see that I needed to change in. And I'm very grateful for that because I had some blind spots in that in my life. And so correction helps you see what you cannot see. Uh, it also helps you hear better, okay, because uh, we have a tendency to have a selective, or I like to say interpretive hearing. Guys, you need to pay attention to me on this because all the ladies are hoping you're writing notes right now. But there's this incredible time. My wife can give me instructions, and five seconds later I can be in the basement. I have no idea what she just said. And she's looking at me like, I just told you that. That just happened yesterday. She's like, I told you to bring this thing upstairs. I go, where were you? I don't know. I'm selective in my, uh, 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 you know what I mean? I play in sandboxes and make monosyllabic tones. I don't know. We're just crazy. And guys are terrible at this. Let me, let, me, let me show you how guys can be, okay? This is what a woman says to guys, okay? I'm going to read this to you because you can't receive this. This is on my Facebook if you want to go there. A wife, a wife leaves some instructions for her husband. She says, I love you, honey, but you're a slob. 
You have to start cleaning. It's amazing how lazy you've become. I already missed the days you lent a hand. So maybe you can start helping out a little. I know all you ladies have said this. I'll be back late tonight, so don't even think you can go out to the bar with your friends. Don't forget to call your mother so she doesn't worry. I'm swamped at work today, and there's no way I can take care of everything myself. She's begging him for help. Sharon, your daughter, will be back in an hour. When she does, make her what she wants to eat, not what you want to eat. So she doesn't vomit like she did after you made breakfast yesterday. Will you? Please be there and wait for her to finish. Let her show you that she brushed her teeth. And please sit by her until she falls asleep. I love you, XXX. That's what the wife said. This is what the husband hears. I love you. You're amazing. Tonight, go out to the bar with your friends. Don't even worry. I can take care of everything myself when I get home. And when I'm back, when you want, breakfast will be by the bed. I love you, XXX. We need so much help. There's so much help. Gotta, I, gotta, I guess got to move on. Okay, so we can leave right there. Um, it helps you walk better, okay? It helps you walk better because often we don't know where the road leads. And someone has been down that road before. There's a, there's a Brian Adams song I want to sing so bad, but I won't. Uh, it been, no, I won't do it. It's over now. Okay. But you've been down that road, and there are speed bumps, and there are potholes. Somebody's been there. Why don't you receive somebody's experience and perspective and even create? You don't want to go down there? You want to go over here? Because that path leads to destruction. And that can be in principle, and that can be literal. That can be you don't want to go hang out with him or her. And sometimes we don't listen uh, to people who can teach us how to walk. And then lastly, talk better, okay? This is a huge one because often we don't know how we're coming across. My wife will say that to me sometimes. She'll say, honey, you don't know how you're coming across. You don't know how that's, that sounds so harsh. That's, you can't say it like that, honey. You can't do it like that, honey. You know, and, and my, my kids will say that sometimes. And I'm like, what? I don't understand. What's the matter with what I'm saying? Why are there veins coming out of your head when you said you love me? No, whatever. And so sometimes we don't realize it's not what we say, it's how, how we say it. Here's, a, here's an analogy for you. Hashtag, write this. Hashtag plain analogy. Plain analogy, okay? See, you, you, you whoever you are, you're passionate about saying something. And so all you can think about is, well, I got to say, oh, say this. And they need to know. And you get so fired up about it. And what you say has weight. And it's important, and, and it's, it's, it's got to be delivered, and it's critical that it be delivered. It's like a plane. It has to land. Yes, you're right. It does. You have to say it. It's important. But approaches everything with the plane. A plane has weight, and it has momentum and propulsion to it, but that plane will crash and burn if you don't consider approach. And some of you guys have some, some of you ladies and some of you people have some issues with your approach. You're just like, <laughs> see, that thing has to come down at 600 miles an hour and slowly slow down on, on this itty bitty runway, on these little bitty wheels. And it has to stop in a short amount of time and everything is about, it's got to land. I get you. I get you, homie. I get you. It's got to land. But you got to make sure it touches down nice and easy. Relationships will help you with that. You might get to a point someday, somewhere, where it can be less, it can be more unfiltered. When there's permission, 
And people have invited that, where there's a safe harbor with other people and safety and relationships. Absolutely. But until you do, you better be very, very, very careful about approach. And here's why. Because number three, many of us, many of us in our lives, we have an emotional sunburn. We have to deal with our sunburn. I don't have a big problem with, 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 with the sun myself, but in terms of the physical sun. But emotionally, oh, I can be like an infant. I can be an emotional infant sometimes. And some of y'all are like that as well. You have an emotional sunburn. And I don't care how good somebody's approach is, it doesn't matter. You get touchy, 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 touchy. And their intent could be, their heart could be right, and their approach could be right. But it doesn't matter. You don't even, it's not slap you. They could just touch you. That's what a sunburn's like. A sunburn, you, it's not a, you, it's, oh, oh, that hurt. Oh, we wince in pain. Because we need to be healed. We have an emotional sunburn. And eventually nobody, listen what happens. And this is, this is the problem. Eventually because of that, nobody touches you anymore. And if you're not touched by other people, you're not growing and changing. You need other people in your life. Yeah, 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 but you don't understand. A lot of people uh, have hurt me. And if you don't get healed, no matter how you're corrected or who brings that correction, uh, it will hurt and not help if you don't get healed. But the reality is there's going to be a lot of hurts. The Bible actually tells us this. It tells us that, that offenses are going to come. In Luke chapter 17, verse 1, the Bible says, It's impossible that no offenses should come. That means a lot of them are coming. Not some, many. And many people will be offended. And listen to this. They'll be taken captive by their offenses. Captive by it. The Bible actually uses a term when it talks about offenses. The, the, the word in the Greek for offenses is scandalon. It's where the English word we get the word scandal. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Scandal. Scandalon, it, it was a piece of wood that was used to hold a trap door open to capture an animal. An animal would go in, try to get whatever the delectable you know, fruit or, or, or dessert was, and, and as it's going in, it would hit that piece of wood, it would hit the scandal on, and the trap door would come behind them. Many people are trapped by offense. They're captive by offenses, which will continue to come. And so you can't change them. You have to learn to change you. One of my closest friends in ministry, Pastor Jonathan, he's one of my overseers. Many of you know him. He, I, he told me this story. He said there's a missionary in his church, and the missionary said, Pastor Jonathan, he's from Kenya. He said, Pastor Jonathan, do you know how we catch monkeys? Pastor Jonathan's like, no, I don't know how you catch monkeys. He says, we catch monkeys, we take coconuts, we cut a piece of the coconut off the tip, we put a little rope through there, we, bring, we cut off the other end a little bit wider, tie a knot, pull the coconut, we hang that coconut from a tree, and the mouth of the other side, we put some delectable, like, fruit or figs or something inside that coconut after we gutted it. And we get just enough space so the monkey can get his hand through. But as soon as he grabs those dates or those figs and he clenches his fist, he won't be able to pull it out unless he unclenches his fist. And what happens is people, just like monkeys, we go right into that coconut and we grab hold of that offense or that issue and we hold on to it so, so tightly. And then what happens is the hunter comes and whacks the monkey over the head and we have monkey stew. <laughs> Some of you are like monkey stew. Some of you are like the monkey. You're holding on to that. And if you would just unclench your hand, you could be free from that offense and you could be, uh, you could be delivered from being hunted. You could be free. Some of you, 
You're looking at people who are in that situation and you're saying, just let go, just let go of that offense, just let go of that problem, and you could be free. But we're holding on to those offenses. You have a sunburn. You're a monkey in a coconut. And you're going to be monkey stew if you don't let go of those offenses. It's impossible that fence will continue to come, but some of you are held captive by those over and over and over again. Only those who care about you can hurt you, but the truth is only those who care about you can help you either. Can I have an amen out there? I'd like you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you as we conclude today. I want to share something with you as we begin to pray. You can put your notes away. You can just be, just be very still for a second. And we're going to pray in a minute. <clears throat> I was thinking about correction and how sensitive we are, how sensitive I am to correction. You know, my wife has seen this many times with me, and she's been the spotlight of this message, but um, she's helped me so many times. But, you know, sometimes I, I, I may not have a lot of hair, but I have a lot of eyelashes. And my eyelashes sometimes get in my eye. And I'll fuss with my eye, oh, just trying to get an eyelash out. And, I'll, and I'll, my wife, I tell my wife, I can't get it out. She's like, because your finger's not even near your eye. I'd be like this. And it's because I'm such a baby. I don't want to touch my eye. It's so sensitive. My eye is so sensitive. This, but there's a big eyelash in there. But I'm so sensitive, I don't want to, I want to touch it. Some of you ladies, I don't know how you do what you do. Some of you guys got your arm all the way down in your eyeballs, and I don't know how you guys do that. It's like unbelievable, but I'm a wuss when it comes to that. But eventually the pain of that, the frustration of that, the fussing with that, I get desperate, and I'll go to my wife, and I'll say, honey, can you help me get this eyelash out of my eye? And she'll stick her finger in my eye and get that thing out. And I was reading the scripture in my devotions just the other day, Matthew 7, 5. It says, hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. When you, when you hear this message today, this isn't for someone else. Don't think, oh, that, they, that, uh, no. You got to start with you. If you want to see the benefits of correction, you need to be the first person to receive it for yourself. And listen, listen, listen. One of the things you need to be willing to do is find somebody who can stick their finger in your eye. I get you're sensitive. I get it sensitive, but I hope your desire to change and grow will trump the sensitivity of your eye so that you can have clarity and you can have freedom and you can begin to move forward and you can have vision for your life come to fruition in your life because you let a person stick their finger in your eye. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?